Good morning, church. Scripture lesson this morning is from Luke's Gospel, the first chapter, the 26th through the 44th verses. Listen now of the birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give, give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How can this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Let us pray. And now, O Lord, may your word be proclaimed either through me or in spite of me. Amen. On the third Sunday of Advent, we light the pink candle of joy. And I, I, love, I love the word joy. It's an exclusive word. It means a very particular thing. Dictionary.com describes it as the emotion of great delight or happiness caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. It's, clean, it's keen pleasure or elation. I think it's a unique and wonderful emotion. There's often an element of surprise, this moment of unspoiled delight, a moment where all is well in the world. It looks a little like, uh, can we see that first image? Grandparents holding their new grandbaby. A lot of grandparents I've heard say it's particularly joyful because then the baby goes home with the parents. <laughs> what a beautiful moment. How about this one, next one? Children getting their, their first puppy or getting a new puppy or kitty at home. A, a, a real joy and excitement at that. Uh, they have to be careful not to squeeze too hard, which it looks like she might be doing right there. And then finally, look at this. this look at that. A mirror image. A soldier coming home from deployment. 
and this little girl right there. Have you ever seen such a vision of joy? I saw it a little bit this morning when, uh, when the children were singing down here. I turned around and I looked at your faces. I wish I, we had a rear-facing camera and I could take some pictures of what I saw. When you saw those children singing, you had a look of joy on your face. This morning, in this season of Advent, as we wait with expectation for Christmas, for the coming of the Christ child, for Christmas morning to finally be here, I want to talk a little about joy, about what Mary and Elizabeth for them, it must have seemed like an impossible joy. Our story begins with these two pregnant women who really can't be pregnant. The babies in their wombs are not there naturally. This is God at work. This is the stuff of miracles. And miracles, when they are received with openness and obedience of Mary and Elizabeth, it's also the stuff of joy. Mary travels to see Elizabeth once she learns that they're both pregnant. No doubt Mary feels that Elizabeth can kind of relate to her situation, and she definitely needs the support. Perhaps this is part of the reason that Gabriel told her about Elizabeth to start with. The text this morning said Mary hurried out to meet Elizabeth. She didn't want to waste any time. She wanted to get there as soon as she could. So she arrives at Elizabeth's house. She greets her. And then what happens? The story tells us that Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting and the child leaped in her womb. As Elizabeth tells Mary, For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. Elizabeth's child, John, who had become John the Baptist, leaped for joy at Mary's greeting. It's what one scholar calls a miraculous expression of the emotion of the unborn child. It was a joy that was given to Elizabeth. One of my former students, a little, one of my Facebook friends, she posted a very tasteful uh, video of her belly in about the seventh month of her pregnancy, and it looked like this child was trying out for the Olympic gymnastics team. You could see elbows and feet and all kinds of stuff poking that belly. And the, the funny thing was the difference in the reactions between the men and the women. The women said how sweet that you can feel that new uh, baby growing in your belly. What a wonderful, I remembered that myself. Hold on to this, remember this forever. That's a precious video that you have there. The one man that commented says, I've only seen this one time, and it was in the movie Alien, and it didn't end well. <laughs> Elizabeth, though, is filled with the Holy Spirit, and she receives this prophetic inspiration. She says, blessed are you among women. I like this translation. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. And the Spirit also seems to reveal to her that Mary is indeed, as she says, the mother of my Lord. She's humbled that Mary, her relative and the mother of her Lord, would come to visit her. Shouldn't any of us feel humbled and honored and blessed and joyful that the Lord would come to visit us also. Their joy begins with these two women in impossible circumstances. Both of them are miraculously pregnant. One was barren and past her childbearing years. And like Sarah and Hannah in the Old Testament, God provides a child despite her age and physical condition. 
That child, who would be John the Baptist, would be the last of the Old Covenant prophets. He comes to herald the fulfillment of God's promise to send the Messiah. The other woman was a virgin at the beginning of her childbearing years. And yet God conceived in her a child without the help of a man. The child would be the foundation of the new covenant, the Messiah that God had long ago, ago promised. Every child, all children are a gift. And there's nothing quite like being at the birth of your child. Nothing quite prepares you. It's joyful. It's wonderful. It's a little scary sometimes. When a new child enters the world, it is a, it is a time, it's a cause for wonder and joy. Most people would call the birth of any new child a miracle. So how much more infinitely so here? Both pregnancies were impossible. Both were miraculous. Both were part of God's plan of salvation. And both brought, among many other emotions, joy to their recipients. God is making it clear here that He brings new things into the world. Salvation is not the work of man's effort, but of God's hand reaching miraculously and mysteriously into our world. The baby in Elizabeth's womb leaped for joy. Something wondrous was at work. Miracles were in the air. God was moving, and through it all, He was creating joy. First point, then, is that joy is ultimately a gift from God. It's, according to, to Scripture, a fruit of the Spirit, right? Something that God brings about in the lives of those who are open and available and obedient to Him. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She was filled with joy. The child, John, was miraculously filled with joy. And Mary, if we keep reading, also rejoiced at what God was doing. She said, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Rejoicing is simply our joy reflected back to God in worship. The Gospel of John, Jesus tells Nicodemus that a person must be born again or born from above, that they have to be born both of their mothers, of water, and of the Spirit. Images of birth surround the message of salvation. The birth of John and Jesus and eventually the new birth of any of us who submit to Jesus and his message. Both tell us that something new is happening and we better get in on it if we're going to know joy. A joy that only can come from God himself. So joy has its source in God. And here is the source is specifically the coming of the Messiah into the world and the joy in being part of the events that surround that coming. Being in on the good news that God wants to save and redeem is a cause for joy. Do you have that joy in your life? Have you allowed God into your life this Christmas season so that that candle of joy can be lit in your heart? Joy never quite reaches us, though, completely unadulterated. Joy is often mixed with other emotions, sometimes with adversity, struggle, and difficulty. That little baby that we saw the picture of, well, that baby's going to grow up, make messes, 
going to need braces, going to have to pay for college, going to probably wreck a couple of cars before he gets to, uh, to college. And so there's going to be adversity there. That puppy is going to chew up some shoes, is going to make um, some messes in the house, is going to, to die while the child is still a child. That soldier coming home from deployment may have some trouble adjusting to his new life at home, and he's probably going to get deployed again and be away from the child. That moment, that perfect moment of joy is not without struggle. In fact, to, to really, to truly understand joy, you have to understand those other things, including sorrow. And that's here true is, uh, here as well. Mary knew the joy of being used by God, but she also knew some pretty serious social stigma. Having an illegitimate child was not a cause for celebration in Jewish culture. In fact, it would probably get you stoned. And no doubt Mary was unsure and scared to death of what it would be like to raise the Son of God. And yet she willingly followed God's call and was obedient. To know joy, we have to be able to sacrifice just like Mary did, to obey as she did, to submit herself to God as she did. Sometimes God calls us to do things that we would never imagine could bring us joy. Someone had said that joy is the byproduct of obedience, and it certainly was for Mary and Elizabeth. Secondly, joy is usually accompanied by challenges. If joy is first and foremost something that we receive from God's gracious hand because we're available and we're prepared, even if we don't realize it, then Mary, when God calls us to something that will elicit joy in our hearts, well, we can be pretty sure that we're going to face some challenges just like Mary did. Joy is the byproduct of obedience. Well, joy is also the byproduct of successfully facing the challenges that God's call involves. When God calls us to do something, and we do it, and we obey, and we face challenges as a result, and He helps us through it, that's a cause for joy. It's a joy deeper than what the world gives, whether it's through money or a promotion or being able to retire because it enables us to face life and sustains us through the challenges that we face. So how has facing certain challenges following God brought you joy? Has that happened in your life? How has your life in Christ, your joy in Christ, sustained you through the challenges? We talked about hope last week. Now we're talking about joy. Isn't it interesting that God chose Mary and Elizabeth to, bury the, to bear these children? Isn't it interesting that he chose two women who were related? As I said before, it would no doubt make it a little easier on both of them. They could share their experiences and go through this together. It meant neither of them were alone in these very, very unusual circumstances. It also meant that they could experience joy. There's a joy when you know that you're not alone, a deep-seated joy that comes from friendship and family and fellowship. There's also a joy 
when we know that we are part of God's plan and are fulfilling the purpose that he has for us. Both Elizabeth and Mary had unique and specific roles in God's plan. Both would give birth to a son, each of whom had a destiny and a call on their lives. One was infinitely greater than the other, but God chose both of them. Mary and Elizabeth would ultimately be called to share the joy of having these two baby boys with others. Ultimately, both sons would be killed because of the role that they played in God's plan. John would be beheaded for speaking the truth. Jesus would be crucified for being the truth. But at this point, neither Mary nor Elizabeth could contain the joy they felt. Both had to share it with one another, and ultimately, they would share it with the world. The same, the same thing is true of us. The joy that we know is a joy that we share. Funny thing is, sharing the joy doesn't mean we have less but more. Parents have, who have big families that have multiple children, you know, I've, I've always wondered, how, how do you love child one as much as child five or six or whatever? And they always say that, the, that it, doesn't, it doesn't diminish. The love doesn't diminish. It actually multiplies with the children. Same thing when people have their grandchildren. They think that they've got all the love that they can have for their children. They have grandchildren. That love and joy multiplies. Joy increases the more you give it away. So if you, if you do know the joy of the Lord then know also that when you share it, when you give it away, that it's only going to increase. Have you shared your joy lately? Have you asked the Lord to help you to light a candle of joy in someone's heart? When's the last time you leapt for joy? It's been a while for me. When's the last time that you heard news so wonderful, so incredible, that you couldn't contain the joy that you felt and it just burst out of you. We heard an account of such an occasion this morning when the angel appeared to the shepherds. The angel said to them, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. Good news of great joy. That's what the season of Advent is all about. And that's why John leapt in Elizabeth's womb. Great, great joy. So does the good news of Jesus Christ still bring you joy? Does the Holy Spirit fill you with joy? Have you, like Mary and Elizabeth, made yourself available for joy through a life of devotion and obedience? Are you willing to face the challenges that a life with God will bring if it means knowing an impossible joy, a joy that only God can bring into your life? Just as he brought that child, his son, Jesus the Christ into the world 2,000 years ago. I pray that you do know the joy of the Lord this season. And for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I hope that your joy isn't limited to what you find in your stocking under the tree. I hope your joy amounts to more than all the good food you're going to eat. I hope it amounts to more than the time that you have with family and friends. And if it seems impossible, just remember what the words of Gabriel to Mary when he assured her, for nothing will be impossible with God. 
And that's my prayer for all of us this Christmas, that we will know impossible joy, for that is the joy that only God can bring. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, let us pray. Our God, bring joy into our hearts. Make us be open and obedient to your call. Help us to face the challenges that we'll find joy even in working through those challenges. And Father, help us to share the good news of your Son. Help us to be the candle of joy into the world. And we'll give you the glory. In Christ's name, amen.